you have to understand that both interest rates and stock market prices are going to go up and down. It's easy to figure out where you are in the market cycle. You can see it in the prices of your securities. You can see it in the charts of the bond market and the charts of the stock market. Hello there and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. It's Rick Nusky here. I hope you're doing wonderfully well. You know, it's early week here. Looking forward to today's call because on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming income coach and book author, Steve Selinger. Welcome to the show, Steve. Oh, thank you. Uh... Thanks, Rick. Uh, I'm happy to be there without the jet lag, you know. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's a wonderful <laughs> treat to have you here. Now, you and I are going to be talking about the goal of income independence, investment options, how to produce more income from your investment portfolio, and to take a deep dive into your latest book called Retirement Money Secrets, A Financial Insider's Guide to Income Independence. Now, that is a mouthful. Well, you know, you have to put on those uh, long subtitles. <laughs> tell you, you know, real short title, Plenty, plenty of room for a subtitle to get all the key words in there. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love the, I love the cover. It says a lot about, uh, in my, in my point of view, uh, perspective, a lot about the author, about the cover and the amount of time they put into the, the title. So that's uh, something I'm going to take a deep dive into. But uh, first things first, Steve, where are you calling in from today? I'm calling you from uh, near Charleston, South Carolina. Yes, has that been home for a long time? Uh, about a little more than twenty years now. Originally from. Um, North Jersey. I used to, I used to work in Manhattan and commuted to Manhattan for a while. Fantastic. Is that is that uh, you know? Is there any local landmarks? I don't know much about your local area. Uh, you probably have heard of the Ocean Course at Kiel. Ah, yeah, yeah. If you follow golf at all, mm -hmm. and and that's you know we're members of that that club. So that's, that's what. So that's what you do. You play a lot of golf. I um, I play limited amount of golf now. Uh, probably about maybe. 40 times a year. I used to play closer oh. to a hundred times a year, but goodness me. Yeah. It takes yeah. a bit of, you know, you know, if you're anything like me, if you want your lawn cord, come see me. Are you, are you any good at it? Uh, I, I'm still about a 14 handicap. So oh. I'm, I'm still shooting in the eighties. No way. That's crazy. Yeah, huh? you know, <laughs> of course I'm playing. I'm now playing from, um, they have senior tees up here out here for yep. old people yep and they have in our club we have governor's tees which is for even older people like oh. me so uh i play a very short course yep and i've always been pretty straight so it makes a difference yeah i'll tell you what remind me of a couple of scoring. <laughs> remind me of a couple of things steve one never to play with you and if you ever did play with me my ball always seems to go to the right i have no idea why i don't think it's a, i don't think it's a correctable issue <laughs> <laughs> well it trust me you could fix it you can you, fix if, it you could fix it yeah now tell me what else you like to do with your time um do you have any other well, hobbies well we travel a lot and um i'm an income coach so i'm pretty busy with that mm. and that's what i like i like i like the world of fin finance i take care of my own stuff and i take care of some friends and family and i take care of a lot of strangers now which is much different in the past i got to know my clients really well because i mean some of them were with me for 40 years yes yeah since i started you know so uh, but now it's it's pretty much strangers from all over and i i feel like uh between the book and what I can teach them one-on-one -on -one, um, really gives them something to go on, something they can... Uh, something tangible. 
they, they can use, something that will make their lives better. Well, we're certainly going to be taking a deep dive into that book, Steve, and everything that you're doing. But tell me, when you, when you talk about travel, I always think about local foods. What's one of your favorite foods that you've experienced? Oh, down here we have stuff like shrimp and grits. Oh, beautiful. Yes. And uh, we have a lot of uh, oh, the uh, southern fried chicken is oh, just, just stop. incredible. <laughs> and I could go on and on. They they, um, they have pulled pork. Barbecue. Oh, yes. You know, you just – we have – and we're fortunate. We have a lot of great restaurants around us as well as the local stuff. I mean, we went to this uh, – we have a lot of um, – uh, Mexican and Latino people in our workforce here, yep, yep. and they and there's a local Mexican restaurant that we go to. There are actually two of them. One's a little bit more upscale than the the one that's across the street from us, but it is amazing. And it's it's the people do not speak English, and you have to communicate. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a great experience. It's a great oh yeah. Experience. Now when you, they you, first they, when they first opened, they didn't even have prices on the menu. You just oh wow. <laughs> Tell me, you, you and I, prior to the call, we talked a little bit about travel and your bucket list. Where, where would you like to travel still? Well, our next, our next three trips are going to be, not counting Portugal, which is in April. Mm. <clears throat> uh, we're going, going to go to India. We're going to go to Japan and the uh, east coast of South America. Yeah, wow. I, when you say Portugal, I, the, I think in Nazaré. You ever heard of Nazaré, the coast of Nazaré in Portugal? It's it's the ultimate big wave um, surfing location. I I am just amazed at some of the scenery over in Portugal. Yeah, we've been there before, and we've always enjoyed it. We're going on a, a Viking River uh, thing, and we're start. I think we're start. We're either starting in Madrid or ending in Madrid, but we haven't been there either. So, yes. uh, Port Portugal's great. We've been there a couple of times and liked it. The wine is wonderful. Oh, yes. Now, again, yeah, living yeah. in a wine region myself, right. uh, I, I try not to drink too much wine. Do you do you enjoy a drop now and then? I do. You know, you know, the only case of wine that we've ever purchased overseas was in New Zealand when we were there. Oh, there That's you the go. only one we had it shipped. Well, you have to you have to try McLaren Vale. Absolutely. Just look I for McLaren Vale and see how you McLaren. go. I think my wife does all that and I'll, I'll tell her. Absolutely. I'll write it down. Yes. So it's MC. L A I N Vale. It's two words. L A I N Vale. Okay. Yeah, fantastic. Is it red or white? Oh, look, I would. Uh, depends on what you taste. I mean, they oh, have okay. both. They, um, they have both. Okay. Lots to choose from. Now, tell me, Steve. Um, you know, the My Future Business show is is a little bit different in terms of. Uh, you know, how we go about talking about the core of the core, which in this case is retirement investments and all that sort of thing. But we'll also take a bit of a, a bit more of a dive into, I guess, um, growing up. Can, what can you remember about growing up? Uh, that I grew up a little too fast, I think. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I got motivated early. Um, I started working uh you know, I had my own little lawn mowing business when I was about 12. I taught taught friends and people how to water ski. So uh, every every year I came back from when I was in college. Every year I'd have a summer job. I had summer jobs in the, in high school as well. So I I always worked. My father was a my father worked too much. He um, you know he's 
he commuted to New York, so he didn't get home till seven o'clock at night. My whole oh wow! Since we moved when we moved out there to Jersey. Yep. And then he had, and then he had this seven-day-a-week real estate job. Basically, he was builder and developer, and yep. He's he's the one that got me started in income investing in a sense because he explained he explained to me that real estate wasn't just buying and selling property and homes it was developing cash flow from it so he had rental properties where he was getting paid he had he took back mortgages so he was getting paid there got get his capital back so he could reinvest it and he um, he had the insurance for the people who bought his homes and so forth. So he had a, a pretty vertically integrated business where the cash flow was was king. Yeah. And he and he always encouraged me when I, you know, to put money away to generate income and that he I should think about the income because that's what you spend. He ne- he never went into the stock market. Oh wow! You know, he, he, here's a wealthy guy. He never never invested in the stock market in his entire life. What was he, he involved used, with, like ETFs and other well, things? Well, no, we didn't have ETFs back then. No, right. But the ETFs weren't invented until the they 90s. weren't a thing. Index funds and things. It, there were no index funds back in the 40s and the, the 50s and the 60s. Okay, back then. yeah, it's a, it's it's amazing so, how they're yeah. now products, isn't it? Yeah, and he didn't. He never had an IRA or a fund or anything because he always worked for himself. He had his own business. Ah, so yeah. What he retired on was his own, and he knew he had to have that money. But he never retired anyway. Um, so he said the reason he worked so hard and tried to generate money was just to educate his kids and to support his wife. Now, tell me yeah. something else. Who else was in in those early days, in those formative years, that had an influence on you? I I don't know. <sighs> Not many teachers, that's for sure. I, I was not as well. When I was growing up, I was directed pretty well. When I got into high school and college, I was kind of a loose cannon. You know? <laughs> yeah. I didn't. I wasn't. Didn't have too much of a sense of direction. I, I was parties, partying type person. That sounds familiar. Uh, <laughs> and um, you know, so I really uh, took the first job that I got offered when I graduated and wound up. Uh, in Long Island and Syracuse, New York, and then finally in New York City. It, but uh, after when I got there, I got my master's degree. Yep. I think it all started for me when I was twenty-five. Okay. Uh, I mean, I had a great, I had a great childhood. I didn't have any problem. I, I was fortunate. I, like I usually say, I chose my parents well, so I, I didn't have any <laughs> of the problems of debt or anything like that coming yeah. out of college or anything yeah. like that. So I, I was. Uh, in in good shape and when i was 25 um all that money that i had been forced to save through my father and the money he didn't have to spend on an ivy league education for me mm-hmm. uh, i i was 25 and i can remember on my birthday my present he handed me was like a manila legal envelope oh yeah and i opened it up and it was full of stock certificates Goodness me. And most people today don't even know what a stock certificate looks like. Are they like bonds? Is that what you... No, no. The actual stocks. The actual stocks. Yeah. If you own IBM back in the day, if you wanted to hold the certificate of ownership, you would get a piece of paper issued. You own 
you know, 250 shares of IBM with the seal and all the information about it and what it meant. And you had, and on the back of it, it had the information. If you wanted to sell it to somebody, you could, and they, you know, then they had to register and so on. Yeah. In, in the old wow. days, there were really certificates, not anymore. This was before the electron, before the computer age. Yeah. You're yeah. talking to an old, old, old person. Here. Yeah. Yeah. No, but that's yeah. the thing. How, I mean, how old are you? Uh, I'm old enough to know better. Let's just say that much. But, uh, I, I know for <laughs> I know for sure and certain that things have definitely changed. But yeah. you know, there's going to be a lot of people on this show, Steve, that um, have their ears pricked up because they're going to be looking to you for information and insights into you know how they can prepare for the future. Now, your father obviously had a very uh, 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 disciplined approach. Do do you thank him for that, or do you do you wish he'd let you do yeah, your own I, thing? I, you know, I hadn't really much thought about it. As to, you know, you don't really realize where you where you got your your drive or your inspirations from, and I didn't really associate it with his. My my wife tells me all the time how much like him I am, uh -huh. but I never really I never really saw it, you know. But now, as I get as I get to be the age I remember him at, <laughs> I, I start to think, well, maybe, maybe she's right. Maybe I, I did get a lot of it, but the, but the, the focus on income, um, the stability of things you invested in the safety element, you know, yeah. all those things played a big force. Um, I started, like I said, I got this handful of certificates, which was a lot of money in those days, you know, a uh, high five figure portfolio in, in 1970. If you can think about the difference. Oh, yeah. You know, what's that? Like 10 times, maybe, um, that has gone up since then. But every one of those, every one of those stocks, I put them in with a brokerage firm, and every one of them paid dividends. Every one of them was on the New York Stock Exchange. In fact, most of them were Dow Jones 40 companies. Yep. And I studied how they move. I studied volatility. I studied the, basically I had developed a sense of the market cycle over the course of time, how it goes up and down in waves and with a generally upward trend and, mm -hmm. and how you could actually buy them at one point, take a profit on them, buy them again, either lower or maybe a little higher, but still on that upward trend, buying and selling, buying and selling. And most of them you could have bought and sold maybe a hundred times over a twenty-year period, you know. Yeah. So I started. So I started to apply that. Uh, part of that, the reason I got into the idea, there are basically there are two income streams in investing. Two, the dividends and distributions you receive on your securities. And the other one is the one that Wall Street doesn't use very often and the tax code. I'm not sure about the tax code in Australia, but mm -hmm. certainly in the United States, the tax code does not um, does not value capital gains at the way it should. It gives a lot more uh, monetary benefit to taking losses than it does to taking profits. Oh. Losses can be used against gains. Gains are taxed like ordinary income. Yeah. Unless you happen to hold on for a year, you know? Yeah. So, so that's, but that's the second, that's the second stream of income. And in my mind, if I own a portfolio of stocks and they're all producing income, and let's say right now my income is an average of about, actually it's about 10%. Mm -hmm. 
right. on the yep. securities that I use. Um, and taking a profit, picture it like walking down the street and there's a, a $100 bill or two sitting on the sidewalk, you know? Yep. Are you going to walk by that and say, oh, no, it's going to be more tomorrow or are you going to pick it up? You know, yes. and that's the way I look at a profit. The way the market works, it doesn't just go up. And the profit that's sitting there today could be gone tomorrow. Yes. So, so I take it. Take a profit. Can I ask you something I take while, I'm, while sure. I'm thinking of it, Steve? Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I have young kids. And I, I, I think having um, a uh, understanding or awareness and a financial dialogue with them at an early age is important. What's your view? Oh, I think so. I've I've schooled my my kids on it. They've they've read both my books. Mm -hmm. My granddaughter's at college and she's reading my book right now. Yep. You know, and my grandson has read it already. And I have managed portfolios for all of them and they've looked at them and they've seen what's in them. Oh yeah. They know yeah. how much income their portfolios are making. Yeah, because and, uh, it seems to me nowadays, especially with the technology that's available to them that they can set up their own almost wealth creation machine and if they feed that machine they can almost set and forget do you, would you agree yeah. with that i would agree with that my granddaughter wouldn't i mean uh, she makes when she's home from school she works at the resort here right and these are uh, the kiowa resort is very very upscale mm. and she'll have these people who their summer home you know or the vacation home that they come to at kiowa is pretty much what most people will call it a state. Right. They live in it like two months a year, right? Yep. So they they come in and their grandkids are here with them or their children, and she babysits for them after she works at the camp and gets tips. She then goes and babysits for these people, and they're they're paying her forty and fifty dollars an hour mm -hmm. for babysitting, which wow. is craziness. But she says that. She needs all that for college, you know? Okay. So, so she doesn't put it away. She's got an account that she can put it in, but you know, my it's daughter, my I, daughter I, is better than than my the any of the others taking oh, care well, of things. But and you know, it's it, if kids only understood the power of compound interest, I'm wondering if you can oh, tell us wow. a little bit about compound interest. Well, it's just amazing and, and really if you think about it, I mean if you're making, you know, your money doubles at 10%, your money doubles in seven and a half years. At 7%, it doubles in 10 years. Okay? Yep. If you get that percentage like we do, and I use closed-end funds in my investing, they pay monthly. So if you're getting monthly increments instead of annual increments, that compounding effect is shortened. Yeah. And then if you add capital gains to it, Let's say you add another month or two. Well, I've already made, I've already taken twenty thousand dollars in profits this year, which is about two thirds of my monthly distribution income. Right. Okay? Yep. So if I did that for the rest of the year, which is doubtful. It could actually be better. It could be actually be worse. Who knows what's going to happen next? But I've already taken. I've already got almost an extra month's income just from capital gains. Beautiful. So now that's compounding. Yes, yes. Well. Yeah, so you know, it's one of the most most people don't invest and don't get started with an income mindset yep. when 
reading reading retirement money secrets, you'll know that, hey, you should at least have 30%, even if you're a kid, you should at least have 30% that you know is going to pay you above average kind of income. Like uh, closed-end funds today, and, and I know I have... Uh, I have friends and clients in Australia that, that use closed-end funds, so I know they're available there. Yeah. Um, so um, closed-end funds right now are paid an average between 9 and 10%, both, both equities and income. So in other words, even whether you're in stocks or bonds, even though one's higher risk than the other, stocks are always higher risk than bonds, mm-hmm. um, but they're – portfolios of securities so they're not as risky as the individual securities would be but you can get 10 percent on your money on a if you put your money at work 30 at at 10 percent any kind of money it's going to you know it's going to double every seven years uh, how can that but how can you don't need to be a smart person to realize that's of benefit right. to you <laughs> Right, exactly. And that's if you don't do anything to manage it. That's correct. You know? Yes. Just letting it sit there. So <laughs> anyway, people people in general do not give enough focus to income and certainly Wall Street here in the United States. I mean, they don't even think about it. I mean, you look up you look go on Google a mutual fund, you almost can't find the yield on the mutual fund. They don't even show it. They give a percentage. Right. When I look at my Fidelity account and I want to get a stock quote, I pull down the stock quote. It doesn't tell me the yield. No. I can't. I just can't believe it. You know. So I don't even use their quotes. I go to, I put Yahoo up there and I get get the quotes off of that. It's crazy. It is crazy. They just, they just don't care. No, I I wonder. You know, with this and whole, I know why they don't. Do you know why they don't care? I have no idea. Uh, let me let me tell you, and and I don't think this is just the investment world pays pays its employees today and charges its advisory clients on the basis of the market value of their securities so you can have a guy you can have a guy with a two million dollar portfolio you're getting a point and a half fee from him he could be making two percent or less income so he has to invade principle he has to sell securities to pay his bills but you're still getting the same amount of income even though you could make that portfolio generate a hundred thousand dollars and pay more than all his bills you know so that so there's your motivation right there i i often wonder about you know my own situation and i'm sure many others around the world are like this you you a lot of people who who are not financially literate they need help so they think and they go to a financial advisor. Not only does a financial advisor take their bit of cream uh, every month, and uh, right. if they're using technology to manage the fund, which most do, they take a bit of cream, and you have this erosion of your base, regardless of the uh, appreciation of your, you know, your investments. What do you say about that? Do you think there's a better option and that we can avoid these types of things? I know this isn't financial advice or anything like that, and anybody no, who's listening I, should be aware of that, but they, well, it really annoys me, Steve. Well, the people I talk to are mostly do-it-yourself investors. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, have, I have a Facebook group, and actually two Facebook groups, and um, we, we have conversations like this, but we don't talk about commissions and fees anymore because most of these people don't use financial advisors. 
but many of the people who come to me for coaching services do use financial advisors. Mm. When I, when I ran, I ran, I was a financial advisor, you know, and I was getting paid on the assets in my accounts. Yeah. But I was always, I was always emphasizing the income. And one of the things that I said to my clients is that there will very rarely be a year that I don't make more for you in capital gains than you pay me in, in fees. fees. Yeah. And if it is, it'll be a very bad year in the stock market. <laughs> in in nineteen in two thousand and twenty one, for example, which was uh, I guess it was a swan song year for me because I sold my business in twenty two. Mm-hmm. In twenty one, we made for our clients, we made enough in capital gains to pay their bills for between four and five years. Oh, goodness. What an outcome. That's how good a year 2021 for, was for profit taking. And this is the, the key year. thing, that people are doing this for themselves, by themselves, and that's a really key takeaway. I, I'm, I'm very excited about that. And we've obviously talked about, um, I think everybody inherently knows what the goal of financial independence is. And that's really the focus of today's call, Steve. But um, I'm wondering if you could share with us the six basic principles of income-focused retirement investing. I can, I can. I'm gonna give you the five and the uh, the four in the middle first. Okay. okay, yep. And I call them the QDI plus PT. So the Q is for quality. You should always be sure to develop uh, a set of quality requirements. Like in the back in the day when I was doing individual stocks, um, stock had to pay a dividend, yep. had to be pro- had to be profitable. It had to be traded on the New York Stock Exchange because their financial requirements were higher than the NASDAQ and the S&P, actually. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the requirements. Now that I use closed-end funds, they have to have at least they have to been in business for five years so that I can track their distributions. Yep, yep. They have to have at least fifty companies inside or fifty pieces of paper if they're a bond fund. Yep. You know? Most of the averages that they have over two hundred stocks and on the bond on the income side over three hundred securities. You know. Um, so those are some of the quality tests I make. All right. Yep, yep. Now the um, I also like to see some other things. I like to see volatility because I trade. Oh, prices. I want the prices to go up and down. Peaks and troughs. Peaks and troughs. And I want it to be, I don't don't try to determine when those are going to happen. You can't do that. Yep. But I like to see that they have them because then I know I can buy them and sell them at my my profit points. And I set goals for profits. On the uh, diversification side, um, like I said, they have to have at least 50 securities inside. So they have to be diversified as well as I have to own enough of them so that I never have 5% of anything in my portfolio. I don't want to have the chance that if something goes belly up, that I'll lose as much as 5% of my portfolio. Yeah, my personal portfolio, uh, I don't have anything that has it, even 3% in one security. I get coaching clients sometimes where I've seen a million dollars invested in just three securities, even two securities, a million no, bucks. Not diversified can you, enough. Can you, oh, no. I no. mean, that's, 
I, how I wouldn't be able to sleep like that. No, you'd be un- uneasy, just, wouldn't it? Oh yeah. I mean, what if the board of directors fly and in their private jet flies into the side of a mountain? It's going to happen. <laughs> and it happens, you know? doesn't it? Oh, what if plane? What if planes fly fly into skyscrapers? I mean, all these things that can happen in the world. You don't want to have all your money tied up in one. Can, thing. Steve, this brings me to my next point about uh, uh, risk appetite. I, I wonder, you know, and I also hear that bonds are usually good for uh, older age groups um, because they're more stable. Um, you know, when you talk about different age groups, how do you select a portfolio diversification based on their age group? Uh, well, you're right about bonds being safer. Mm. And stability as far as financial security, yes, but not stability in price. Right. They can be scarier in price than the stock market uh-huh. because they, they're they priced based on current interest rates. So if you had a 2% bond that you bought five years ago and now interest rates and you put $10,000 in it, and now interest rates have become 5%. Mm. If you were to sell that bond, the guy who buys it from you is going to want 5%. So you would have to sell that bond to him at a discount of probably 35%. Mm. Now, even though the same income is being paid, regardless of the interest rates or price, the price will go down. A lot of people don't understand that. And that's why they panic when they see their bond portfolio go down in price. I start to salivate. Yes. (laughs) Right? Because now I've got all this cash flow coming in. Yep. Now I can buy those bonds. I can buy $1,000 for $650 because it's down so much in price. And as it as interest rates come down, then that price will go back up to par. And when it matures, it go it gets redeemed at par. That's so as it gets closer to maturity, the price will rise regardless of what current interest rates are. You know, there's 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 has to, has to be said that um, when people people become aware and financially literate and they work with somebody like you, they they open up a new world of excitement and um, confidence. Do you see that in, in the people that you work with? I do. I do. And, and uh, you can see the excitement in me when I just oh, talk to you. Oh, you light up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, and they get the same way. Uh, yeah, yeah. A lot of this, you'll see people say that it's like turning your mind inside out because you've been taught all these years that the only thing that's important is the market value of your portfolio. And you better hope it goes up so that when you retire, you've got enough money to spend it all yep. because they're gonna, you're going to want to take 4% a year out of your portfolio. Well, how can you get 4% out of, the, out of a portfolio when three things, the average yield on a portfolio managed today anywhere is probably between 2 and 3%, okay? The fees on those portfolios that are managed is, is over 1%. Oh, yeah. So where is the other, that was one of the, where are the other two and a half percent coming from? Right? Yep. It's coming from you selling securities. What securities do they sell? They sell the securities that are down in price. They don't take profits because profits will make you pay taxes. Mm-hmm. So they take losses, which means your principal is being depleted. And it's even worse. It's even worse because even if they're making 2%, what are they telling you to do with the 2%? They're telling you to automatically reinvest it. Yes. In the securities that produce it. That's called dripping. 
mm-hmm. dividend reinvestment programs. So even if you were making 6%, you'd still have to sell something to pay the bills because they're reinvesting every penny. Yes. Yeah. You know? So it's a, it's, it's, very, a soap, it's, it's a soapbox I don't want to get on. No, look, I it's might, very I complex. hurt somebody's feelings. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, is, are we basically talking about market cycle investment management? Is that what we're oh, looking yeah. at here? Well, Mike, markets, respecting the market cycle and understanding it is one of those six principles you asked me about. Yeah. So I have a couple more to talk about. Um, but it's one of them. And that's a very important one. You have to understand that both interest rates and stock market prices are going to go up and down. The cycle in interest rates is much broader, more wavy. Stock market cycles like this. Interest rate cycle is like this, you know. This past year, however, we had that 5% went from zero to five in 18 months. Yeah. That's unheard of. That, that was craziness. Mm. That caused some problems for a lot of people. I bet it and did, it yeah. may still. Um, but, but yeah, you have to, it's easy to figure out where you are in the market cycle. You can see it in the prices of your securities. You can see it in the charts of the bond market and the charts of the stock market. You can sell, you can tell where you are relatively. Like right now, we're near the high. The, the stock market hit new highs last week. Mm-hmm. You, you know we're at the, near the high of the stock market, and we're still near the bottom of the bond market because there's the Fed keeps hemming and hawing about which way interest rates are going. And until we have definitive action that interest rates are coming down, bond prices are not going to come up. No. So that's the bad news. Or is it the good news? It's good news because now I've got 9% that I can reinvest my money at. Ah, 9 and 10%. If, bond, if the yields go down, if the interest rates go down, the yields will go down because the prices will go up. And I'll only get 8%. Gee. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, that's still great, but that's the point. That's the point. I don't, I don't care if the prices stay down because the dividends that they're paying the distributions that my closed-end funds are paying are, you know, some go up, some go down, but the numbers are very, very small. And it's come and back that, to this compounding effect, doesn't it? Because the more actually, um, yeah. more uh, dividends you're getting paid, the sum total of all those parts equals a nice stack of cash that you can play with, basically. Exactly. Yeah, that's wonderful you, feedback. Thank you so very much. Now, tell me, okay. what are we are? And I think we've touched on a few of them, but what are the, the most common mistakes new, inexperienced oh. investors are making? Do you think? Okay, um, I guess what perhaps the biggest mistake is that they don't know what the six basic principles are. <laughs> fundamentals, <laughs> fundamentals. So yeah, so there's two more. There's you know we said quality diversification, income we've talked about, mm-hmm. and profit taking. Yeah, profit taking is a risk minimization tool. Because the higher your portfolio goes, goes, the higher the risk that it's going to go down. So if you don't take those profits, you're going to lose them. You're going to lose them. And that's at least an emotional risk, you know. But the two other ones, we talked about market cycle. And the third one is that they don't, is, a, is the focus. Where am I going with these investments? What do I want to do? What do you want from it? You know, do I want to retire early? Do I want to put my kids through college? Do I want to spend for that from income or do I want to do it out of cash, out of pocket? Do I want to sell things? You know, what's my focus, you know? So depending where I'm going and what age I am, my focus may be for growth or for income. 
and I think I said before, at least 30% of your portfolio, no matter how age you are, how old you are, as soon as you have something to invest, you should think about income. And you can think about safety. With closed-end funds, you can buy the entire stock market for a closed-end fund pay at, at $15 a share. Yeah. You don't have to go out and buy one share of Berkshire Hathaway because you think that's cool to own it. You know, <laughs> you, you just don't do stuff like that. No, well, lots of lots of people do. Unfortunately, I think that's maybe the way to go. But uh, tell me, there's a, a statement that uh, I read um, from you that says, uh, "What fuels the yacht and pays the bills? Was it market value or realized income?" What pays the bills? Mm. Yeah, realized income. You cannot pay the bills. With your market value portfolio, you can go into the into this grocery store and show them your portfolio. And say, hey, I want to pay my bills. I'm <laughs> worth two million dollars. They'll say, uh -uh, buddy, I need three hundred and seventy dollars in cash or a credit card. Or see you later. That doesn't. This doesn't matter to me. And the same thing with a, a brick of gold. Having having a stack of gold in your garage doesn't pay any bills. Doesn't pay and any it bills. doesn't pay any. It doesn't pay any income either. It doesn't make sense to me to have gold. Is that is that it never has to me? No, it, no. The, the actual metal, no. But in the in the closed end fund world, you can buy funds of companies that use gold, that mine it, that sell it, that you know what I mean. Mint it. So and and these securities own. They call them real assets. Yeah, locked away in a vault somewhere. And they, they may have it locked away or they may just trade it. Whatever they do, mm. they're still paying you that 8 or 9% I was talking about. Yes. So you can have a piece of that action without owning it and not getting any income from it. Anything you want to do, for the most part, you can do in closed-end funds. And, and we haven't spoken enough about what those are. And, I'm, and we, I don't think we have time to get into that with how they're different from... ETFs and um, mutual funds, but the book, but the book spells that all out. Yeah, and that's really the point that anybody's on today's call uh, needs to take away before we start shifting gears and talking about. I guess the makeup of the book is to be sure to get your hands on it. There's going to be a link below this call, no matter when, where you see it, where you find it. There's going to be a link back to Retirement Money Secrets. Now, tell me, when did you decide to write this book? Pretty much, I was coerced into writing it by the guys in my facebook group ah. who said you really should write another book you really should write another book blah 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 i said well <laughs> uh how are we going to do this and and you guys going to raise the questions that i have to answer and they did they, they did participated it. they participated they wrote questions out uh we got together and we drew up an outline of what the book should say um and what points we should talk about uh, from the conversations that a group of us had had. We have international people. We have this woman I mentioned to you in Australia. She, I had, uh, I made it available for everybody to contribute to the production of the book. Yep. And that I would, um, you know, that I would as invest as an investment and that I made a commitment to them that I would get, I would at least get their money back to them. You know? <laughs> Wonderful. You know, so there were, uh, there's, like I said, there was a, a lady from, who's now in Australia. She was, I think she was in Dubai when, when we first got started. And I had people in Europe, you know, and all over I, the place. Uh, you know, 
all over the place. Yeah, we had, there, there was about 30 of us. And I got, and I, uh, I actually got a few of family members and friends in it, into it too. So, you know, and now, you, so, can, they, can I, so we produce, go ahead, go ahead. So I was just wondering how long it took to write the book. Uh, that one didn't work. That just flows. I, I don't know if you looked me up, but I have probably two or 300 um, articles out there. Yes, I certainly and the have. More recent art, and the more recent articles are all about closed-end funds. So I pretty much had everything written, and I had to just just the idea of expressing it all and putting it in sequence and actually identifying the six main points. You know, yeah. or there's a there's a risk pyramid in there where we t identify all the different types of securities you can buy. Yes. And yeah. where on this risk pyramid are are they high risk or are they low risk, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. So we put we put together a bunch of stuff and a lot of it and then a lot of con contribution from the guys in the Facebook group and the ladies in the Facebook group. Yes, that's yeah, wonderful. I mean it, it was it was really great. I mean it was a good operating good working experience. And then I had a uh, a ghostwriter which was really interesting because she didn't really know anything. <laughs> so it was own. a so it was a perfect person because we did a conversation, like these were a couple that my wife and I met on a like on a uh, a Viking cruise. Oh yes, that started in Amsterdam, and we started there, and we met them, and we started talking about investing and how they had to sell assets to go on this cruise, and that we didn't because I had enough income to pay for it. Yeah, to plan without selling anything, you know. Yeah. So they, you know, they were curious. We talked and we talked. We met them when we got back. All this kind of stuff. It was. It's really the format of the book. It it flies by. It Tell me, I I wonder how does it make you feel when you when you see people turn their financial ship around, as it were, and they start living their I guess their their best lives because of the the work that I, they're now doing to. I think I'm beginning to feel like a really good professor would in college uh, or yep. in a master's program, you know, because I look, I the third meeting with somebody, I look at what they've done and I look at their portfolio and I, I say, hey, man, you got it. Look at this. this yeah, is, This is great. We do not have to meet again. You've got it. Let me know if you have any questions. I'll follow up with you in a few months, you know, or you do the same follow up with me. but. You're there. You're there. You've done it. You're on your own. You can do it. You now, can do Steve, this. I, that's really satisfying. I, I can mean, I can only uh, suggest to those who don't really have much of an understanding in this space and those who possibly do that are listening into the show, we have a, a wide variety of listeners that we are literally just skimming the top of the things that must be inside this book and what they can learn by becoming, uh, I guess, closer to you, maybe inside the Facebook groups or however it is that they can connect yeah. with you. Now, tell me, where are they going to be able to find this book and, and connect with you and, and start working with you if they decide that's right? They, uh, you know, Amazon, of course, is the ultimate place where all books are. And mm -hmm. I have many australia sales that i know of mm -hmm. so they can get it there and the rest of your audience amazon is it uh and it's all it's all in the brick and mortar stores in the uh, stores that specialize in ebooks yep it's in those you know so they can get that they can get it pretty much get it anywhere and it will lead them to the facebook group and to um 
and to me if they want me. Fantastic. Is there a website that, that people can find you on? Uh, I, my website is theincomecoach.net. As simple as that, The Income Coach. Yeah, I, and I wonder, is there another book inside of you, do you think? I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. You know, I, I've been, I, I have been thinking that there are more places to go with uh, investing, that a book might be appropriate, but I, I don't think I, I've, I've don't think I have the time, and I think my wife would probably shoot me. <laughs> well, I'm telling you right now, I bet you if, you if you've got all of the content that we've talked about and much, much more inside of this book, I don't think there would ever need to be another book because the fundamentals definitely don't change. But working with you would be an absolute pleasure, Steve. So, again, uh, if you're on today's call and you want to connect with Steve and, uh, you know, take that first step towards a financially independent journey for yourself and now regardless what age group you're in there's never a time like now and um, with all that being said steve this has been just a wonderful insight into retirement money secrets and the work that you're doing and thank you very much for joining me on the show well, thank you for having me i enjoyed it very much